Legacy media journalists have spent the last two weeks doing the liberals' dirty work by smearing the truckers. Well, it seems like so many of those journalists have bought into their own rhetoric and they're about to snap. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the program. It's Fake News Friday. Every Friday here on The Candace Malcolm Show, we go through the worst examples of fake news in Canada, the lies and the misinformation peddled by the legacy media, the way that they smear working people and push their liberal elite worldview. They do the dirty work of the Liberal Party, pushing whatever the latest spin is from Justin Trudeau, echoing it, repeating it, doing everything they could. And we saw this playing up last week. We saw how Justin Trudeau didn't ever want to take the trucker convoy seriously. Seriously, he wrote it off and dismissed it as being a small fringe minority. Well, that wasn't true. Of course, it wasn't true. We saw a huge up upswell of support, a groundswell of people all over the country. I mean, all you had to do is look at some of those scenes from the freeway where it was overpass after overpass after overpass, people lining the sides of freeways to cheer on the truckers. You could tell that Justin Trudeau was wrong. And so what did the legacy media do? Well, they stepped it up into overdrive to try to do everything they could to smear and discredit this movement. And it has just been such a political hit job. So we've kind of been doing fake news Friday every day on the program for the last two weeks. Uh, this week, we're going to go and, and really just zero in on some of the most deranged responses from the legacy media. That The thing about Twitter is that you can sort of see the stream of conscious reaction of these media journalists. They're sitting in Ottawa. They hate the truckers. They want them out of their city. They want them gone. They, they they have the exact same opinion as Justin Trudeau. They just think that they're beneath them and that they're these filthy, unwashed people and that somehow Ottawa belongs to them. They want them gone. And it's been really interesting to watch the reaction. So joining me on the podcast today is True North producer and journalist Harrison Faulkner. Harrison is in Ottawa. He's been covering the protests. And so he can give us a real some real insight as to, you know, the way that the media is covering this protest versus what it's like on the ground. So Harrison, thank you for joining the podcast today. Yeah, happy to be here, Candice. So uh, let's let's just start off by, uh, can you set the scene? What is it like at the Freedom Convoy uh, protest right now? Yeah, so I arrived on Wednesday and um, obviously the, the major protest was over the weekend and that's, that's where we saw the footage of incredible crowds and, and this, this great patriotic moment that is going to live on in the history books of this country. Uh, but none of the trucks had left pretty much, pretty much none, none of the trucks had left Ottawa, uh, this week. And when I arrived, I would say there's probably over a hundred trucks still parked along Wellington street and along some of the side streets. And it's really just the happiest atmosphere I've been a part of for many years. People are dancing and singing and everyone is just really, really happy. Everyone's talking with one another and uh, sharing food and sharing, sharing gas and electricity for the trucks. And so, uh, as I said in one of my reports uh, on Wednesday, I've never seen anything like it. I wish I was there for the weekend, but even the, even the smaller gatherings that have been taking place outside parliament this week, uh, they, they've been, they've still been incredible. And the energy on the ground is, is really something to behold. I, I encourage everyone who can to come out and experience this while, while everyone is still here, because it's, uh, it's something that's truly historic. What do you, what do you think about, so one of the things that started to trend in Ottawa this week was the term occupation. They're saying that Ottawa is occupied, that this is some kind of invasion and an occupation. And we also heard the police basically say that they couldn't handle it 
and people were urging them to let the military take over. So, I, I mean, I could go through a bunch of examples. The Toronto Star described it this way. Six days into the occupation of Ottawa streets by the so-called freedom convoy freedoms and scare quotes there, uh, counter-protesters have begun a movement of their own, protesting the truckers, the response from the city and the Ottawa police. Uh, CBC has a similar thing where they call it the occupation. Uh, just from your perspective, Harrison, does it feel like the city is being occupied, usually that's a term that we uh, reserve for like a foreign occupation, like of, of another country. You know, for instance, people might say that Russia is, is looking to occupy Ukraine. It's, it's sort of jarring and weird to hear about Canadian citizens occupying their own capital that by definition belongs to the people of the country. What's your take on that? Well, Candace, if this was an occupation, it's one of the weakest occupations I've ever seen because uh, police are interacting with the crowd, smiling. I was talking with, uh, with some of the protesters today on Wellington Street about how they've been interacting with the police. And they say that the police are superstars there. Every single one of them gets a wave, gets a cheer. People are chatting with them. And in fact, some of the some of the police who are off duty, these protesters told me that they come up and and interact with them and they all say they support what's going on. So, um, you know, this is not an occupation. The city of Ottawa is not under siege as the liberal legacy media might want to paint it as it's it's clear, Candace, that they're so desperate to paint this as some sort of occupation. They haven't given up on the January 6th narrative, as we talked about in last uh, last episode, last fake news Friday episode. They are, they are just so, so stuck on this narrative that it must be negative, and it's just not. So police, police have been driving through Wellington Street since I've been there. I've had to get off the road to let police drive through. So they haven't blocked off critical uh, roads. They haven't blocked the police from making, it, making their way through the city. That's just not true. Um, and also, like I said, the police and the protesters are interacting peacefully together. Uh, everyone is just happy to be there. The police are happy to be there. And also what I've noticed is that the police are kind of walking along in groups, in groups of about five or 10, uh, walking along side streets, just kind of looking as though they're actually trying to fill their time to do something. I, I talked to Peel Region Police who were shipped in um, to provide backup, I guess, to the Ottawa police. And they were just walking along some side street together. And I asked them, oh, I, I, I noticed that they were from Peel. And I said, were you guys shipped in here to provide backup? And they were just walking along trying to fill their day. So nothing to do. Not enough, anything. <laughs> it's, they don't That's even have anything to do. Exactly. Well, another another one of the words that I keep see uh, see thrown around is that these are blockades. And so this raises a whole question of you know, what we've seen in this country over the last several years is the increase in popularity of blockades on the left, on the left side of the political spectrum who don't want pipelines, they don't want oil getting to market, they want to shut down the oil sands, and they pretend to speak for the First Nations community, which they definitely do not. But it was it was about two years ago in January of 2020, pre pre-COVID, that we saw huge blockades where they were blocking railways, they were blocking freeways, they were driving our supply chain to a halt. Uh, this was all pre-COVID. And, you know, you saw some conservatives sort of saying, we need to implement the rule of law, we need to be able to get our goods to market, and speaking against this blockade. So I, I want to get you to comment on this, because 
First of all, I'm not sure if it's a blockade. I, I don't really see, from the images I'm seeing, I don't see trucks blocking through fares. I don't see them blocking critical infrastructure. I see them parked on the side of the road. I know there's one or two in intersections in Ottawa that are blocked, but 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 that doesn't constitute a, the, the equivalent of a blockade, say, of a freeway or a railway where there's no alternative route. In Ottawa, it's a city, so there I imagine there's alternative routes. Uh, but, but I want to play this clip. So first, Robin Urbach, who's a journalist over at the Globe and Mail, she she writes this comment on it. She says, this is making the rounds today. And who boy, that is some in your face hypocrisy. Okay. And so this is Pierre Polyev, who is hopefully going to become the leader of the conservative party, or at least be one of the front runners, because he's very, uh, very well spoken and passionate about conservative issues. And so the, the tweet is from a power and politics episode that came out in February 2020. So exactly two years ago, almost. And this is what Pierre Polyev sounded like. You have the right to swing your fist, but that freedom stops at the tip of another person's nose. And right now, these blockaders are taking away the freedom of other people to move their goods and themselves where they want to go. And that is wrong. And the government has uh, laws and tools in place to combat it. Right now, but the what, Prime though? Minister I mean, is... They, what should they do? If, they, well, if the Prime Minister were to say force the RCMP to go in, that could escalate things and backfire in a big way, could right it Right now, the Prime Minister is globetrotting... Uh, campaigning for a UN Security Council seat, while here at home, uh, all hell is breaking loose. Our, our economy is about to be turned on its head. Our entire transportation system uh, is being blockaded. We have CEOs of some of the largest employers in the country who are stepping forward to say that this is a crisis. And the, what we hear from the government is that they're observing the situation. So Harrison, what's your reaction to that? Do you think it's actual hypocrisy? What did you think about what Pierre was saying versus the situation today? No, it's it's not hypocrisy at all. So first of all, no one is no one is being blocked from accessing Ottawa. Any pedestrian, anybody can actually get through. And it's two different separate issues. One is one is to block railroads and railways from passing critical infrastructure. The intent is to basically take out their political frustration on the people by blocking railroads. That's what the rail blockades were. That's what the wet sweat and protests were uh, back then. That's what Pierre was talking about. This is totally different. The protesters here in Ottawa are fighting for everyone's freedom. They're doing this so that everyone, no matter who you are, no matter what your vaccination status is, no matter what your political stripe is, they're doing this so that you can live a life that is free. You have free passage across the country. And that that is the big difference here. So of course, of course, the usual suspects in the legacy media are going to trot out this clip as some Pretend sort of that it's equivalent. But but also to, to me, it's like a, a railway. You have no alternative path, right? Once you're on the tracks, it's not like you can just take a different route. Whereas from my understanding, it's like one intersection in Ottawa. It's like, just go to the next intersection or just go around. I've, I know exactly where that is. I used to live in Ottawa. A lot of times coming home from the airport, it would be really busy along there. There'd be a traffic jam. So the taxi driver would just go a different route. And that was it. And like, I, I, I think I agree. I think it's silly. The other thing that they're sort of saying here is that a lot of small businesses are being harmed, that that um, wage earners, that people who work at Rideau Center, which is the mall right there that's closed or, or reportedly closed, you can you can confirm that, Harrison, uh, that 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 a lot of these sort of 
um, workers in Ottawa aren't able to do what they do. So Catherine McKenna, who's a former liberal cabinet minister, uh, she, 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 well, I'll, I'll just go through her tweet. So at first she tweeted out, a conservative party that dances with the far right is good for the liberal party, but it's terrible for our democracy. Uh, making the analogy, I guess, that the people at the protest Harrison are far right, which is quite a stretch and, and really reckless, I think, for a high profile liberal to say. I, I hit back and I responded. I just kind of took her words and changed them a little bit to reflect, uh, I think, a better reality. I said, a liberal government that smears the working class as far right is bad for the country and terrible for democracy. Well, McKinnon hit back again, claiming that she was a true uh, defender of wor the working class or something. She says, I stand for the working class, including those in Ottawa who can't get to work because it's currently being occupied by folks who want to deny residents their freedom to go to work, to sleep, to buy groceries, and to access critical services. So I, first of all, I question whether the bureaucrats who work in Ottawa are, are, are accurately described as working class, because I would describe them as middle class or upper middle class. Uh, but that's, that's a, a little bit beside the point. Uh, McKenna ended up blocking me because she just really hated that I asked her this question or pointed this out. Uh, but, but the idea that folks who live in Ottawa can't, they don't have their freedom to work, to sleep, to buy groceries, or to access critical services. I'm wondering if you can comment on that accusation, speak to it. Are, are people able to get to work? Are people able to buy groceries? And are they able to access critical services? I'm not exactly sure what that means. I assume she means get to a hospital or a doctor if they, if they need medical attention. Are, are those three things being prevented right now, Harrison? No, and let's just break it down. So uh, critical critical resources or access to critical resources, like you said, Candice, if that's the hospital, there are plenty of routes around Ottawa. It's just on Wellington Street is where you can't drive through. So as you said, there's a lot of different options for people to get there. Grocery stores and all that, those are open. Uh, small businesses are, to are, are open because this is an incredible business opportunity. It's not that often that this many people from around the country uh, come together in Ottawa uh, and, and are ready to spend money. And actually they're camped out for several days. So of course they're going to spend money. Most small businesses are open. There are some larger uh, businesses, larger food chains that are shut, uh, but Rito Center is open. So again, this, this is just not true the way that the media is trying to paint this. Um, and, and again, the idea that the idea that uh, uh, residents in Ottawa can't sleep, that is just patently, uh, patently false. Throughout the night, it actually gets quiet. Truckers stop honking their horns. They do it during the day. There's plenty of footage to show that. I have footage of that, and other people have taken footage of that, Candace. So I'm not surprised to see Catherine McKenna well, do this. Let's 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 throw to that because I found this on Instagram, and I really like this account. There's an account called People of Color for Freedom Convoy, and they put out this clip, kind of debunking the media. They they put a lot of great content debunking the general media narrative, but they put this one out uh, showing the streets. I think it's the corner of Metcalf and Gladstone, which is right in center town. And they show a clip at eight thirty, and again at ten p.m. and it's completely quiet. So let's let's play that clip. Yeah, so, so it seems like so many in the media and so many uh, 
journalists and people on social media want you to believe that the honking that we see is just like nonstop and it's driving them all towards a mental breakdown. That, that video seems to suggest otherwise. I want to show this other clip quickly because uh, this, this I, I mean, this is kind of sad that, 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 that people are so wound up so tight in this country that they're behaving this way. This kind of reminds me of someone, you know, how the average person behaves on Twitter. This is like what it would look like in real life. But this guy is just completely losing his mind. He looks like a bureaucrat to me. And he just really doesn't want these truckers in his city. So let's play a clip. We have to bleep out like half of what he said because there's a lot of F-bombs in there, Harrison. But let, let's play this clip. Let's play this clip from Twitter. So people are wound up pretty tight. You've been in Ottawa for a few nights now. Uh, how, how have you slept? And what, what, what do you have to say about this, this, this complaint about the loud noise? Well, it gets quiet at night, so I've slept totally fine. I think if, if I were here on Saturday, like on last Saturday, then it might have been different because the energy was obviously higher. Uh, but there is a level of respect that the people here who brought their trucks to the con in the convoy have for what they're doing and for the people. Like I said, when I speak to them, they always remind me that this is for everyone. This is not just for truckers. This is not just for their own kind of people. So they understand that this protest is targeted at politicians and at the liberal government. So again, it's sad to see these bureaucrats uh, getting so wound up, but they don't own this city. The city belongs to all of, all of Canada. And I mean, all you can do when you see that is laugh a little bit, because I guess this is what happens when, when the people that make these decisions get confronted with the truth. Well, and with their own sort of privilege, your point that, that these bureaucrats really believe that Ottawa is their city, that it belongs to them and that these truckers need to leave because they're, they're encroaching on like their city. And to, to me, that just gets democracy so wrong, right? Like I lived in Ottawa for a year. I, I go back quite a bit. I go to, there for speeches, for interviews, all kinds of stuff. And there's basically four kinds of people that live in Ottawa. You're either a politician. There's a lot of politicians in there, not just the MPs. All the MPs live there, but also uh, the municipal uh, city hall is right there. And so you have all the municipal politicians. You have the bureaucrats, which is like, I think like 80% of the city because it's not just government employees, also political staffers. And then you also have all the diplomats, all the embassies that are there. So government employees for other governments, you have all the quangos and the sort of what well, they, they call themselves non-government, but they're funded by government. So they're kind of like government. And, and then the, and then the, um, the third category is journalists, lots and lots, lots of journalists who live around Ottawa. The CBC has a huge, huge, huge headquarters there. Uh, so does CTV. Lots of journalists. The fourth category is students who go to the University of Ottawa. So you don't really have an accurate representation of the Canadian population. You kind of have these four uh, elite sort of groups. And look, there are a lot of people who work at the restaurants, work at the bars, work at the shops, but they usually don't live in Ottawa. They live somewhere cheaper out in the suburbs and then they commute in. So, so the people who live there, the people that you see the sort of outsized complaining from, uh, th th these are all people that you could very easily classify as liberal, progressive elites. And I think that so much of the reaction that we're seeing here, Harrison, is just how out of touch they are with their country. And it isn't just liberals. I, I see a lot of conservatives, a lot of the sort of elite fancy 
um, insider conservatives expressing the sort of same exact opinions, um, sneering at the truckers and saying that they need to leave, they need to get out of the city. And uh, to, to me, it's really exposing a class divide in this country that is 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 uh, upsetting to see because we don't usually think of Canada as a as a really um, hierarchical class based society, but it se- it seems like we're, we're sort of heading in that path. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Conservative MPs because it seems like now that Aaron O'Toole is gone, they have um, unleashed themselves. They have a lot more freedom, and w- w- you know what do we see? A whole bunch of them went out to the rally to show their support for the truckers. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Harrison? Yeah. So as soon as Aaron O'Toole was gone and as soon as Candace Bergen was elected to be the interim leader of the conservative party, one of the, one of the first tweets that really triggered a lot of the, a lot of the journalists living in Ottawa uh, was a, was a group uh, was from Kevin Wan. It was from, a, it was a group of the Saskatchewan MPs taking a photo on the streets with the truckers. And uh, as I've been here, I've interacted with MPs walking through the convoy, conservative MPs, really do support this movement and so yeah i mean that that tweet really got a lot of got a lot of got a lot of uh, liberal heads exploding jim watson the mayor of ottawa uh said that the photo kevin waugh took with his saskatchewan colleagues was a disgrace and that residents had been harassed and protesters um had been basically destroying local businesses there so um you know really they they couldn't handle this the fact that conservative mps really were unleashed after being held down for so long um robin urbach of the globe and mail tweeted that one of the cpc's problems is that they don't know how to read the room they only know how to read their room and obviously that just shows the insular nature that these journalists live in um the journalists in ottawa live in uh, well, they, they think that everyone agrees with them, right? Like, I, I yeah, think exactly. Robin is in Toronto, but it's like, I, I saw this a lot, this re- read the room, like journalists saying, read the room. Uh, last year at Canada Day, when, when you know, the, the whole zeitgeist of the media was like, Canada is terrible, we're this awful country, look at our history with residential schools. And then if you had like anyone coming out saying like, happy Canada, they'd be like, read the room, like as if you weren't supposed to say that because you're supposed to be deeply ashamed of Canada now. And it's like, you guys don't realize that it's you that is so out of touch. Like, you know, the, Robin Urbach saying that the conservatives only know how to read their room. It's like the most ironic, hypocritical thing, because these journalists sit in this little bubble, they're very isolated from the rest of the country. And they think that the views that they put out on the, you know, in the pages of the Globe and Mail or on the airways of the CBC, that that represents popular opinion, but it doesn't, they're wrong. And when, when, when they put this stuff out showing they're sort of looking down their noses at the rest of the country, I think it really exposes them. And just to take a broader uh, example of that, Harrison, is all of these, all of these people complaining now about how small businesses are, getting shut down. It's like, where have you been for the last two years? Like, give me a break. All of these pro-lockdown, pro-vaccine mandate politicians who who have pushed these ridiculous policies like the Ottawa mayor, all of a sudden trying to be the champion of small businesses, like, give me a break. I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Where have you been for the last year and a half? Yeah, well, I just got to say this one thing in regards to Aaron O'Toole and his and his removal from the party, when all the liberal journalists and all the legacy media journalists come out and defend you after you've been gone, I think that's a sign that conservatives made the right decision. Since when should conservatives basically take the endorsement of the journalists that constantly criticize them for everything they do, every little thing they do, as, as some sort of direction they should head in? So it's unsurprising that so many of these journalists came out and, and basically 
criticized conservatives and defended Aaron O'Toole and criticized them as soon as they got out to support the convoy. And of course, like you said, Candace, where were these people when businesses were being shut down and destroyed due to lockdowns? Now they apparently care because they're all in their own city. Right. And because it's just the opposite side. It's the side that they're available today. It's such a good point. We did see a lot of people coming out talking about how great of a leader Aaron O'Toole was. It's like, you guys were so unfair to him every step of the way. You asked him such ridiculous questions. You tried to paint him as an extremist and a radical and as a Donald Trump lookalike, even though he obviously wasn't any of those things. And now that he's gone, they're all like, oh, uh, what, what a great guy he was. Too bad he didn't become prime minister. It's, it's, just the, it's just so despicable and predictable to watch. All right, Harrison, I had one final thing I want to talk to you about because there was this video that Glenn McGregor posted. He is a CTV journalist, and he, he was sort of getting heckled and one might even say harassed by some of these protesters here. And so he tweeted this video. He says, this is a pretty typical example of what it's like trying to cover these protests is happening to every TV network's crews. Well, I will just say it's not happening to True North. It's not happening to Rebel. It's not happening to the networks that are trying to cover the convoy in a more neutral way, right? It's only happening to the legacy media who have spent the last week slurring these people, calling them Nazis, calling them far right, trying to paint them as very worst, uh, you know, find one guy doing something despicable and try to cover the whole crowd with that description. So I I never um, condone the harassment of journalists. I think it's wrong. I think that when it happens to independent journalists, the legacy media should defend us and, and stand up for us, which they never do. I, I, I won't say that this is good. I won't say that it is acceptable. I will, however, just say that this is a little dose of karma because you reap what you sow. And again, the legacy media have been absolutely slanderous in the way that they've treated these convoys. And guess what? People pay attention. So people know that when they see CTV, CBC, Global, they know that these people have been lying about them for the past week. So why would they sit there and allow themselves to be the backdrop to some reporter smearing them? So uh, what, what, what did you think about this, Harrison? These people in the trucker convoy deeply respect journalists that are there to do their jobs properly, that are there to actually tell the truth. When I, when I interact with these people in the, pro, in the protests, they always tell me how much they appreciate True North's work, how much they appreciate the work of alternative journalists, because we're the only ones, Candace, that are actually interviewing these people and giving them giving them a reasonable opportunity to tell their story to Canadians. And of course, you don't, you never like to see um, mistreatment of journalists, but here's the thing. It's really easy to tell the truth. I'm a one man band here in Ottawa right now. I'm walking on my own, filming myself with my own audio and telling the truth. These journalists at the legacy media outlets have way more money, way more resources. And yet it seems they are incapable of doing their jobs properly of doing their jobs and, and telling the truth. So Again, you don't like to see it, but as you said, this is karma. This is what happens if you if you slander these people so aggressively. What are you just going to expect them to uh, give you free food and, and hugs? I mean, come on, what can these people expect? It's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And so we want to contrast what the media and what the journalists are saying. And obviously, they're agenda driven, right? They want to confirm Justin Trudeau's narrative. They want to back up what Justin Trudeau is saying. Justin Trudeau is saying the most slanderous things about the protesters. And so it's the media's job. They get paid by Justin Trudeau. And it's their job to loyally, like loyal soldiers to the prime minister, go along, do his dirty work and find exactly what Trudeau wants, which is 
a, a way to smear the entire group. Well, the opposite is happening, right? There, there was some unsubstantiated report that Justin Trudeau mentioned that the protesters were stealing from the homeless. I, I haven't seen anything to verify that. Uh, what, what were the homeless? What were the truckers actually doing? They had signs. They were making food for everyone in the area. And I did see some footage of homeless people going and getting the food because there's so much free food at the convoy. So, so the opposite of stealing from the homeless. They were giving food to anyone who wanted, anyone who's hungry. Here they are making pizzas out of a truck. You saw that sort of happy, peaceful moments, uh, dancing and singing to Bob Marley. There was a bunch of families and kids singing We Are the World, a really heartwarming stuff. Uh, we saw people of all backgrounds, right? Uh, the, this whole idea that these people were white nationalists. It's like, if you spent any time watching videos, you would see that there was a whole bunch of First Nations people there. There were a whole bunch of Sikh people there. And there were just people of all backgrounds, just like just like in Canada. I told you about that Instagram account that I really like called People of Color for the Trucker Convoy, or I think it's called Free People of Color for the Freedom Convoy. Their entire channel is just dedicated to collections of people who are not white, who are part of this movement, who are sort of supporting them and cheering them on. So that's that's fun to see. We saw protesters doing the most Canadian thing possible, which was playing a game of pickup hockey there uh, right in front of the Parliament building. That was great to see. And Harrison, I wanted to finish off the show by uh, sharing a clip, a montage clip that our friends over at People of Color for the Freedom Convoy put together with Justin Trudeau's speech uh, contrasted to what the actual convoy looked like. So here is that clip. Over the past few days, Canadians were shocked and frankly disgusted by the behavior displayed by some people protesting in our nation's capital, by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. Lloyd, this weekend has been a peaceful protest. No yes. one has gotten arrested. I've never been a bit more proud uh, to be a Canadian right now. And I'm more proud of my country. Um, and I'm proud of the world. I just want to say uh, to everyone, I love you. That was a great clip, and it just perfectly contrasted how full of nonsense our Prime Minister is. What an absolute ridiculous smear he did against the truckers and just how blatantly untrue it was. I hope and I wish that more Canadians would pay attention and look past the media narrative, that they would go and look for information on their own, that they would seek it out, that they would come to, if not independent media like True North, but just go out and look on social media for yourself. These videos are absolutely everywhere. You can see the contrast. And I do I do think more and more Canadians are doing that, Harrison. I just wish more would. I wish like everyone in the country would because the legacy media to me is just so full of nonsense and so agenda driven that it's it's just painful at this point. But anyway, th thank you so much for joining us. Keep up the great reporting on the ground there at the Freedom Convoy protests in Ottawa. Will do, Candice. It's, uh, it's great to be here. All right. Thank you so much. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Malcolm Show.